It's time for class. Civics just doesn't begin and end on election day. This is Sunday Civics, the home for the civically engaged with political strategist L. Joy Williams on Sirius XM's Urban View. Welcome to Sunday Civics. I'm L. Joy Williams, national political strategist and host of Sunday Civics. And I am so thankful that you made it to class. Right now, there is a lot happening. There is a lot going on. There is so much I want to say. And although for the last, like, you know, couple of months, I've been in conversation with individuals about individual topics from immigration to redistricting to a whole host of other things. I just got so much to say <laughs> about what's happening, what's happening in the news and just what's happening in the world in general. And I thought, wouldn't it be great wouldn't it be awesome to do a throwback, to, to throw back to the beginnings of Sunday Civics, the beginnings of our conversations? And I made a call or two, sent some text messages and some links via email and thought, let me see, let me see what I can pull together. And therefore, I got my thoroughness girls with me. So June like the month, Moses like the Bible. Hey, June. Hey, Eljoy Williams. What's good? Besides everything. Besides everything. And June, you know, our conversation, a throwback conversation wouldn't be complete if we did not round this out with our girl who is now, you know, she done, she done broke out from us. You know, yes. she, she, a, she a Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Irving View in the mornings now. You got them by the chokehold. Got them by the chokehold. You choke know, hole. like, you know, listening, people listening. She got a whole audience and people listening to her every, yes. every weekday. Yes. Marie Daniel Favors. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, girls? Hey, y'all. Hello. You know, hey, like, this is like, I think most people would be like, wait, I, you know, some people might have been listening to the show, don't even remember that it used to be the three of us. That's right. Yep. We were the. Started the off on your couch. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> remember when we used to record actually in the serious studios, like before the whole world fell apart? Oh, I know. Yes, and we would have like, stories and have like cover set like it was you know it was a nice throwback so shout out to y'all who remember that time and then you know Larie graduated <laughs> and somehow she carved it out in her schedule to be able to do a Monday through Friday situation every day I, I think I blame you for that Eljoy oh, hot no the story <laughs> the story I'm going with is that you know you moved on up like Jefferson ain't no up right. Ain't no, uh, we Urban View. I just moved to another room of the house. That's all. <laughs> I would say, instead of blaming me, we should blame Karen. Karen. Karen is the culprit because Karen is the one who brought me and then I brought you. And then Karen was like, oh, I like her too. And then she brought you on it. And then she was like, oh, and then I'm going to bring. So Karen is the ultimate culprit because mm -hmm. she, she is the mastermind <laughs> between putting all of this together. That's but right. yes, yeah, so for those of you who are listening and do not know, it started out with the three of us. And so it's great to be back in community with you. It's not like we've ever left because we actually know each other in real life. Like um, we were <laughs> You know, 
we we real like when when it goes down like we we real friends like we real yeah. friends like you know i can come yeah. to your house like yes. <laughs> you yes. know like you know we we do organizing and do work on a regular basis we're not just online friends so <laughs> i'm thankful for the both of you to make time for us to discuss all of these shenanigans that are happening and i you know as i reached out to both of you i wanted to talk not only about you know i didn't want to do the like here's the headline and isn't this crazy you know the thing that everybody is doing either on social media or on cable news right now is the isn't this crazy here's a story aren't republicans crazy here's the story aren't white people crazy? you know like it's just this repetitive cycle june of you know just showing you something crazy like they basically we are in a quote tweet news era where everybody is just like quote tweeting and just like isn't it crazy and they're just high-fiving each other off of you know comments that they can you know make and pictures and memes or whatever and that's not that's that's not gonna free us no um let's just go with crazy is the given we've been crazy for a minute now that we've settled that it's crazy now what we gonna do what was how are we going to construct the sausage kids so that we can eat and stop starving how are we going to get that done and get it done in a manner that actually makes sense doesn't have these wild pie in the sky expectations that we see where we are now what what can we can we just get back to some form of basics that is safe? Yeah. A little bit? Just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Larry, and you know, you I know you take callers every day and you know, folks are what are we gonna do and this is what we need to do and this is what Democrats need to do. And you know, part of me you know, particularly when people are trying to do like the call out on social media or whatever, is like, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you my whole strategy on Twitter. Like that's that you know, but like, here are some things that can be done. The read, like, how, like, are people's expectation that they're going to read the strategy on Twitter? I, I think what what saddens me about this moment is that yes, yes, they do. Um, but more so than the yes, they do. I think it, it depends on who we're talking about, right? But the reality is, a lot of people who are not already connected to organizing bodies don't actually have those real life relationships where they're connected with people who do the work who are sad and frustrated and angry and their only outlet is on twitter they're they're having a tough time right now one of my guests on the show um lindsay fontleroy was telling me about this study that looked at these children followed these children who had been uh, this really traumatizing experience and the one child or, or like the, the handful of children that did not have ptsd like 30 years later, were the children who during the trauma resisted and persisted in their resistance. And for a lot of us, I saw this little Twitter thing, debacle that was taking place. And they were like, here's a problem that white women are having right now. Y'all don't know how to organize around relationships and like the real world works. You're like, y'all are part of clubs where you run for something, you get elected. And then when you mess up, we're going to vote you out. And then you're just done. It's like, if you don't have a position or somebody didn't give you a title, your culture hasn't really prepared you for what real life organizing looks like. Whereas those of us who done been here before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I I saw that same conversation and I was like, y'all ain't got sororities. Y'all ain't got like, did it cut like where you rotate the chair? Like, like it, 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 
church things where it's like like these institutions that I know that exist in communities of color where like yeah you can have a all out drag out fight for like president of the chapter but at the end of the day you still member of the chapter and like you got to work together and move forward you know I am part of institutions where like if you don't get to be the you know shepherd's board chair one year for the pastor's anniversary like you still you might be trying to sabotage the trash but you at least still part of the church like we still pay our tithes. You know what I mean? And so I was really, I, I was thinking about, thinking about that and, you know, that thing where people say, you know, Black people know white people or whatever. And I was like, really? I don't know the intricacies of white people's culture in that instance to know, really, do they not have those spaces? They used but, to. You think They so? used to. They, yes. Okay, DAR, they did suffrage. They did it in a racist way, but they did some suffrage. So they did. But see, suffrage was the last big time they did it, right? Mm. So now that they won, everything is supposed to be like this. Everybody has this instantaneous, you know, like instant gratification type situation. So I marched and I knitted a hat and why do I not have my rights? What is, where's the manager? So that they got lost somewhere along the way. And I'm not saying that like we get mad because we feel like somebody else took the playbook, but we wrote the playbook. So all we got to do is just do the playbook. So both sides got a little something, but for them, Theirs is a little different and they got a little bit more learning to do. We just need to pick the book back up. Yeah. Well, I don't want it. So like there's two separate conversations I I do want to have with y'all, right? I want to have the voter apathy conversation and the young people versus this ain't working conversation. And also the, you know, white women stop telling me what I got to do conversation um, as well. Because while there is some intersection, there is also some, there is also a separation in that conversation. So let's take you know white woman first so (laughs) sisterhood trying to be intersectional relation and building relationship piece or whatever please stop texting emailing and you know reaching out in urgency to black women organizers and heads of organizations and saying we got to dig deeper we got to do more and stop doing that right because we already organizing like we already in that space and particularly if you can check voter engagement history for the last 10 years we we already on the up so it's kind of like saying you want to organize the black women or organize the people of color amongst whatever on the on issues on turnout on engagement on fighting back or any of that we we don't we don't need we don't we don't need you on our corners saying that where you need to be is at your mama and them is at your auntie house at your cousin and them down south like i need you to have some internal reflection within your family and the dig deeper thing like that's the conversation you text in your family group let them dig deeper, right not to black women organizers and heads of organizations and leaderships who are already scrambling already dealing with a number of things that you decided weren't a priority until certain things were a priority right Lorie? because you i mean you head up a civil rights organization right are you not dealing with redistricting and voting rights and public safety and you know children being able to eat and raising children out of off of the from below the poverty line and education equity and all of those kinds of things. Housing and equitable access to healthcare, you know, the light stuff. 
another thing I think our white sister and them have to realize is that part of our organizing skills are really effective because we had to use them against y'all, the white mm. women. Because ever since the suffrage movement, our white sistren have been content to sit in their seats of power that were only secured because they partnered with their white brethren to oppress us. So they're having a real funky moment right now because not only uh, do they not have the organizing skills, they, they ain't got the receipts, they don't have the range, but they also now realize they're sleeping with the enemy and they also kind of are the enemy depending on which issue you're talking about. And so it, it, I'd imagine there's a lot of cognitive dissonance happening right now in the minds of many of our white sisters, which is why I think they should, they should gather, they should have a support group, they should go into quiet spaces and, and workshop that and handle that. And then they should stay in those spaces, stay in those rooms and invite in their white brethren and fathers and uncles and boyfriends and, and lovers friends. and their guns. They should sit in those, and then maybe they should stay over there. Just <laughs> over there until they figure some things out because they got a couple hundred years of trauma that they have unleashed and have been partnered in. Um, and, you know, I just, I think that there's a time for healing, but not with all of we. It's time for y'all to heal from the internalizing of white supremacy that you have and, and fix that patriarchy thing that y'all, let us deal with what we, we got enough over here. We got enough we're doing, we got this. this. Well, Lorraine, but then they can come with their whole selves and with more to the table. Yes. They're not going to come that way. They're not coming like that. No, They're just going to show up and force their little Tiffany booted feet in there. So they should just bring a check and a cup of shut up. Listen, if you go and organize auntie and them, you know, your sons and them, your peoples and them, right? And then when you want to talk about coming to the table, coming to a coalition table oh. with black women, with, you know, native women, with you know, allies and accomplices from all. Now you have something else to bring to the table. You have more power to bring to the table. You have more people to bring to the table, right? You have more to bring to the table than money and white tears. And, and right? humility, you, you have humility to bring right. to the table. And you can leave that ego in that space where y'all met with your brethren, meet them over there. Leave the ego God bless there. Y'all are the adorable. They're not doing none of that. Well, listen, they June, I, I'm saying that. this because there are people listening, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if mm -hmm. Lurie may have experienced this as well, and particularly because you have a call-in show where people are like, I don't know what to do. What do I do? You know, I okay. and I see the conversations even on social media. Those of us who have public email addresses, people are emailing, what do I do? What steps do I take? But, you know, whatever. And it's like, organize where you are. Like, those of us who are okay. organizers and have been for some time, it's not a secret to your family. Why? Because you organize within your family. On the issues, that's why you know I can't talk to my uncle about abortion because that's going to be a whole, you know, thing. Why? Because you've had a conversation with him. You probably had an argument with him about it. You guys are probably debated. You've tried to push him and, you know, push and pull and get to a place. You know the cousin that yep. you've converted versus the uncle yep. that you can't, right? Like, you've mm -hmm. had that conversation. If you are an organizer, if that is who you are, like, you've had, it is no secret. You are not... 
you know, going off to organize in the dark. It is something that is part of you and you do it even within the space in which you live, even within the family that you are from, right? And so you're able to bring those experiences. You're able to bring those conversations. You're able to bring those relationships to the table when you're having, you know, the coalition conversations. You'll be like, "Mm, that's not really going to work because I tried it with my uncle who's, (laughs) you know, pastor of so-and-so-and-so and that didn't work. So maybe let me tell you what did work, you know, and see how we can, you know, sort of build a coalition or bring other people who may not agree with us 100%, but we can get them to 80, you know, and here's and here's how. But if you don't do that work, if you are not starting where you live, if you are not putting your bucket down where you are, right, you don't have that context. And also you are trying to organize other people. This is like going to feed other people. You got people at home that's hungry. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. stop it. Okay. Stop it. <laughs> like, stop it. Stop it. And and then here's the other challenge that our white sisters are going to have. And it, it, history matters. We are all historical products, as one of my dear uh, organizing sisters always says. We are historical products. We are the culmination of the choices and the decisions uh, that were largely made by people in other times and in other places. And, and that sort of produced who we are. So part of our white sisters' makeup includes an expectation of a deference to them as natural leaders having no experience whatsoever simply because they're white. So in order for us to be in this coalition space, part of the healing that has to happen is a recognition that your ancestral entitlement to privilege and your ancestral entitlement to deference from Black people with whom you are in community, be that community a plantation community, be that community a coalition seeking to undo uh, the white nationalist Christian dominus power grab of the Supreme Court, whatever it is, that expectation that Black people or other or non-white people will defer to you simply because of whatever ego you brought back with you out of that space that I told y'all to leave over there, that's a problem. And we no longer are going to entertain that. So we are breaking free from that. You're going to have to, too. Otherwise, you can't sit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. You can't, like, you can't. You can't. And, like, you can't. Because you're the men you said you're having sex with, the people you're sleeping with, they're taking my rights, not just as a woman, but my rights as a Black person. If I'm a part of the LGBTQ community, they're taking my rights as that as a part of that community. They're trying to, they voted against me having baby formula to feed my baby, which is eight. So technically, she don't need no baby formula. But they voted against you getting baby formula. They voted against you getting access to the infrastructure, the soft infrastructure bill that would have provided for families, would have provided funding for us to grow. They vote against everything that is in my interest and considering the fact that there is a black maternal death rate that is exponentially times greater than that of white women we're not you can't sit with us it's no you can't. we can't do this no can't and do that this. radical energy that you were all in you know on social media and at rallies and things or whatever the Dems are not doing anything and they need to radical and the body needs or whatever we're gonna have that same radical energy for you you can't sit over here until you do the work over there mm. that's right that's it that's it. You and, you know, don't ask me because it's going to be the same. I'm just going to send you the link <laughs> to this conversation and say, go do the work. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more on Sunday Civics. All the wahala, all the problems, all the things that you think that you must do to start in this world. Like when the teacher, schoolboy and schoolgirl come together. Who is the teacher? I go let you know. Who is the teacher? 
Welcome back to Sunday Civics. Let's move into the, the conversation about, you know, the midterm and election and people's, you know, apathy in general. You know, voter apathy, Laurie and I was having were having this conversation in another instance offline, again, offline organ. And we were talking about, you know, voter apathy knows no aid, right? And so while yes, there is a there is a number of there are a number of young people who are completely apathetic who engaged within the last couple of years in electoral politics you know, and they see it as incremental in terms of them being able to make some concrete change and get people, you know, elected. The same is true for a number of people who are not political junkies, right? They're like, well, I voted for Obama, I voted for Biden, but we got Trump in between and we this, like, you know, they all crooks and, you know, none of this works kind of thing. And I've just been recently, Larie, using the example, right? You know, Lindsey Graham on Twitter talking about we won elections. We, you know, nominated people to the court. We did all of this and it took us 50 years or, you know, how many ever years in order to return? Like, how can you in one breath say, you know, I voted in one or two elections and it didn't work and then see the example of how, you know, conservatives lost some, won some, lost, won, 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 lost, 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 won, won, lost, won, won, right? Like, but consistent drumbeat to amass power in order to get to where they are in just one case, not to mention what other things are happening in terms of state legislatures and courts up and down, you know, and all throughout, you know, the country, right? There is a Mm -hmm. consistency, there is a drumbeat, and even with the population dwindling, what is consistent is exerting power, Exerting power through the ballot, through fundraising, through donating, through organizing and talking and honing a message over and over again to that particular population that even as their population is dropping, June, right, that they are still able to amass and exert that power. How can you in one breath say the Republicans have been doing this and they've been focusing on this and we saw this coming or whatever, and at the same time, be like, voting doesn't matter. And this is like, like it. the math ain't mathing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because people want things and they want it now. And they don't look at there. It's one of these weird things that I've noticed. It's like, <laughs> but people, no, but listen, people are like, okay, so we got together and we organized. And organizing was like three whole meetings and one of them had dinner. And then when they were done, they had like whatever. And they all, you know, they went to a play. They did a whole lot of building and stuff, but they never picked their three things that they were going to go and do, right? No matter what. The GOP picked their three things. They didn't matter if they were in coalition with a scumbag, a pedophile. It didn't make no difference about nothing. Those were the three things because they were like, I'm not going home with them. I'm not sleeping with them. I'm not eating with them. We just need to vote on getting rid of abortion because we need these women to have these babies, period. And that's what they did. For us, there's too much touchy-feely. I need to feel you. I got vibes and I got feelings. And if I'm not feeling you with my vibes, then, oh, oh no, we can't organize together. I'm going to put you out. Give me a baby. Get in this bath water. Uh. I'm sorry. He <laughs> said, come here, baby. Get in this bath <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm so over it all. I just spent 10 days working early voting and having my heart broken every single day because Mm. I see you out there marching, but I didn't see you at the poll. The Mm. time is now, not November, not 2016, right now. What we doing? 
Asses are aflame. What are we doing? Listen, so- I'm sorry. No, you are absolutely right, June. Don't be sorry, because you done said a word. You done preached, preacher. So one of my, uh, the young coordinators working with uh, at the Center for Law and Social Justice, you know, he was talking about over the weekend going to a number of pride marches and, you know, uh, protests that had broke out as in the response to Roe. And he was saying how, you know, you had all these thousands of people who had organized together, you know, two years ago, they did go to them three meetings and two of them had food. Because these young people had a little more resources than we did when we was coming. I'm not mad. That. That's a good thing. Feed the protesters. But he said that every single time someone on the stage went voting, this crowd of, of engaged, informed, very angry people who had just, some of them voted for the first time two years ago and continued their little efforts. I shouldn't say little, that sounds majority. Continued their efforts. Um, they booed every single time someone talked about voting. They, they booed them off the stage. Could nobody say them that this is a crowd of people who if ever there were a crowd of people who needed to see some political result and who needed to vote, this would be it. And I was just reminded of the fact that I think one of the best examples of the power of electoral reality and engagement really is the destruction of Roe because joy, that's what happened. When you guys remember the indivisible guide when that came out after the Obama administration, yep. the Obama administration is in office and the tea party erupts. It's like Republicans 2.0. The Tea Party erupts and they just blocked everything. They had meetings. They did the state. I mean, they were organized. They were everywhere. And it was like, what the hell? How did all of you, what, what happened? And they were so effective at blocking President Obama's uh, administration and his policies and his goals. And after his administration concluded, these members of his team wrote this guide, the Indivisible Guide. And they were like, so we studied what the Tea Party did. And here's what they did. They just, these are the rules of how you get your elected official to engage. This is what your elected officials care about. And this is what they did to bring what, how to engage and what the elected officials care about. And they literally just laid it out. It's like a 25 page guide. And it makes basic electoral organizing so simple. And I feel like the model that we have seen this 50 years of this row effort, because it really wasn't even about abortion at first. It was really about being able to have your white only schools for your precious babies who you had just been told how to integrate with the little dark, darky children. And you didn't want to do that. So you shut down all the public schools. You created these religious institutions, found out you couldn't do it tax free until the Supreme Court just gave you that gift two weeks ago. And then they basically began organizing under this right to life because they just needed a cute little label that would appeal to all the racists and the people who agreed with them. And they've been organizing under that label. And that took like a good five years for them to even figure that out. They were not anti-choice or anti-abortion in the beginning. That was the suit or the costume they put on to be able to organize and literally joy what you said. Lose, lose, win, lose, lose, win, 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 lose, two, lose, lose, win, 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 lose, 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 lose. Keep winning, keep winning. And while they're winning or losing, they're not just voting. They're doing a 365 day approach. They're not just thinking about election day. They're building a bench. They're going, hey, neighbor, we need a new judge on that there bench. You want to run? We got an opening. Come on down to the courthouse and sign up on a Ku Klux Klan's or us party and we'll get you in that bench. And they did that yes. everywhere. And if we would just, and, and I don't blame us because quite frankly, the 346 years between 1619 and, and 19, whatever, when we first got the Civil Rights and the Voting Rights Act, when we got it again, because we initially got it right after the Civil War, but then they crapped all over that. Thank you, SCOTUS. But literally that meant we are missing out on a good 300 years of experiential knowledge. And that knowledge gap 
is kind of what explains, for me anyway, why we are in the position of apathy we are right now. But I think the Supreme Court may have radicalized a whole lot more people. I don't know if they, they're going to point toward the polls yet, but they have radicalized a lot more people than I think they intended. And it feels as though the dog finally caught the car. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to take a quick break because when we come back, I want to talk about the potential that we have and just add some numbers to where we are that I don't think people take into context. And I'm going to bring something in that Karen says all the time, too. I'm going to just take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Sunday Civic. How can it be that you love the girls with me i got june like the month moses like the bible hey june hello and our social justice lawyer <laughs> larie daniel favors who is also on every day at 10 a.m on sirius xm urban view so we are talking about the voter apathy and i wanted to bring in this conversation also just give you some numbers some context right here in new york state we just had a primary, primary election, Republicans and had a primary, Democrats had a primary. Just think about this. There are 6.5 million registered Democrats in New York State. We didn't even crack a million yes. in terms of turnout for the primary election that just happened this past Tuesday. Yes. 6.5, 6.5. Five million registered Democrats across the state. And we, our turnout was like um, 860,000 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. think about that in, you know, Republicans as well in terms of Republican voters. I think the total amount of registered voters in general in New York state is about 11 million. Right. But our turnout is still, still like, like there was a Republican primary as well. I didn't know if you knew there was Giuliani on the ballot. Um, mm -hmm. A Republican. That's why that back slap was heard all around the world. You know, we needed some press. I'm just saying. <laughs> I heard him speak at an event for Black women, and he was like, "My favorite Black people are." Oh, you know, I shouldn't even say the name. I'm not even going to do it. Yeah. We well, listen. Turn turnout was for a. Uh, 447,000. And so that's about, and, and like just 50,000 Republicans and cast a ballot in New York City, in New York City. Wow. Um, so, I mean, all across the state, just thinking about the state of New York, I'm not even thinking about or getting into other states right now in terms of who is actually registered, the number of people actually registered versus who actually turn out. I'm going to talk about New York State because this is what I know intimately and this is where I am. Message where you live, organize, mm. cash your bucket down. Anyway, I, I will say, you know, shout out to us. Brooklyn in, in the entire state had the largest turnout overall. I'm sorry, where? Brooklyn. Okay, just check it. The largest turnout, largest county 
um, turnout in the entire state, followed by Manhattan June. But it's still not something to celebrate because we couldn't even nope. crack a million in the state of New York with 6.5 million <sighs> registered Democrats, right? Yes. And yes. so this problem that I have is that we are not doing enough, right, to even organize and pull out the people that we, like the step of registering them is already done. Right. Right. It's really just pulling them out and engaging. And I think that obviously there are incumbents that have no problem with like, I know who my 5,000 voters are and I'm going to just keep talking mm -hmm. to them and I'm going to keep getting yep. elected that way. But yep. thinking about, you know, people being despondent or apathetic about how, uh, electing the same people, i.e. a, you know, mayor that you don't agree with, look at who's voting and the potential and the population that we aren't expanding. And it reminds me, Lavrie, Karen says this about viewership and about listenership in terms of media, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's talking, everybody always talks about the numbers of like who watches CNN and MSNBC yeah. and radio and whatever. It is a small portion of the population of this country. And so as people are competing, even from a corporate standpoint, in corporate media are competing for the same pocket of people and not thinking about expanding right. to the people who ain't watching neither one of y'all. That's right. That's right. <laughs> mm -hmm. no, that's the same thing I'm thinking about even, or, or, you know, as you and I know, we're organizing here in Brooklyn and other parts of the state is like, I don't even got to talk to the people that vote. Let me talk to the people that vote inconsistently or don't vote at all. And we can expand this mess. Right. People that's don't right. want to have that conversation, though, because they don't want to have to do the teaching that's involved. And what do I mean by that? I'm tired of voting for the same OP. It's always the same old people. So what you don't understand is that the primary is how we get there. So did you sign that green paper that someone had a clipboard and they said, sign the paper? Did you walk by? Do you understand why we signed? Like, there's a whole big conversation that needs to be had so that people will stop going on vibes and feelings, feelings and vibes. Because literally, that's what it is. Like, and it's not just New York with that. Every place got these weird issues from moving your polling place at the last minute to putting it in a place where it's hard to access. But again, when you're talking to people who are just in the street and their first issue is, oh, I don't do politics. First thing, next thing you should say is, then politics is doing you. Let's have the discussion. But most people say, oh, I'm busy. Oh, my kids. Oh, my back. Oh, my knee. You got an excuse and excuses are the tools of the incompetent. And I'm tired of us being incompetent. Have the conversation with those people, with your, with your cousin on your couch. I heard Eljoy say that before. Cousin on your couch, they register. Now let's talk about why they need the vote. You know, to that point, I don't want to underestimate, you know, and I think I, I, I tweeted about this as well. I don't want to underestimate people's feelings of apathy. I don't, maybe underestimate is not the word, maybe downplay, right? Like people don't see things moving. They don't see how things affect them or making concrete change in their lives. And those of us who are organizers or those who are committing themselves to do that work know that it is, you know, it is hard work. Like, you know, we, everybody's praising Insay and Stacy um, and Reverend Warnock and folks in Georgia, but it's hard work. 
right? Like it, it, it takes organizing and building conversations, building coalition. You can't, you know, it, it's great when you are easily able to convert somebody from, you know, registering to vote to immediately becoming a super prime voter, but that doesn't always happen. And so I'm not taking serious the people who are like, you know, voting doesn't matter, like F voting, sort of all that kind of stuff or whatever. But I'm also not taking serious the people who are saying voting is the only thing to do in order to address some of what we're facing right now. And it's to be real, right? There are many different tools in our toolbox to use. And so it's, you know, even if I'm confronted with an individual who says, I ain't about that voting thing, you know, they all crooks and all this other kind, I'm like, all right, cool. Like what's, you know, building a relationship and a conversation, what they really care about, as you're saying, June is they kids and the school thing or whatever. And like starting from a place where people, where people care and showing people where the levers are and how you can make incremental change and like showing people that on the local and micro level, <clears throat> I've said it before in this show and I'll say it again, right? Like starting on that level and seeing that small concrete change from something as small as changing the superintendent in your school or you know getting the library actually filled with books in your like in your kid's school or like things like that like our small tasks that sort of build up and exercise people's civic muscles that you know they're hungry for the next thing before you even get to an election standpoint and I get it as a strategist there are the people that I need to engage in this midterm cycle because an election is coming up and we got to win and, and, and make this happen. And at the same time, there's the bucket of people that we got to coach, that we have to educate, that we have to build coalition and trust and relationship with, right? And keeping that in mind it, and educating people, educating our community about that. It's like, all right, cool. I get you. Midterm election is not your thing or whatever. Let's work on this thing. Cause there's so many other things that can be worked on, <laughs> you know, like let's, let's work on that while I'm also working on this immediate issue. Cause I tell you, you know, saying I'm going to sit the midterms elections out, you think people are crooks and things ain't going to move. What do what you think going to happen if this, pendulum swings the other way Larie. like what people think gonna happen if you stay home what, I don't understand so I feel like there's this I, I don't know it kind of feels like we're walking we don't have the again this goes back to not having that experiential knowledge because we don't have I don't want to say we don't have the critical thinking skills if you don't understand a system if I don't understand how a car engine where I can't tell you where the carburetor at or where the, where the battery go or what to do when the battery. I just know the thing don't turn on when I turn the key in the engine. I almost cussed. I forgot it was Sunday morning. <laughs> I, just, I can't turn the car on. And I will just get frustrated and walk away from the car. I don't need, I don't care about you telling me I got in my spark plug, did this, that, and the other. I just want the thing to work. Does, does it turn on when I need it to? And I think what you said is so important. If you are somebody who has decided you're going to set out the election, I don't blame you because that's just a lack of understanding. That's like saying this stupid car when I put it up to the the key up to the window the car won't start well darling the key has to go in the slot and then when you turn if, if you just hold the key up to the window that's not actually going to do it but we just don't have that information and there aren't enough of us out there joy who are willing to say um voting is important but it won't give you Wakanda 
right? We got to be able to say voting is the key decision-making apparatus tool that we have here, not because it's divinely inspired by the gods, but just because the white man who created this country decided that that's how they was going to do things because they didn't like the white boy who was running over them in England. That's all. It ain't going to give you Wakanda. It damn sure ain't, sorry, Lord, darn sure ain't going to give us black liberation, but it could create the conditions that are just a bit easier for us to navigate so that we can build Wakanda, right? So it's about, for me, harm reduction is so important, but I gotta be able to say that to people. I don't, I, if I go into a room of young people talking about it is your civic duty to sign up to vote, they're gonna be like, miss, what? Have you talked to New York City public school students? Please, I gotta go in that room and find out what you care, what are you already passionate about? And they all have things. They all, like, what are the top three things that tick you off about your community? Gang violence, gun violence, homelessness. I mean, they will rattle it out. They will fill you. You'll be like, oh, I forgot that that was a community issue. They're very clear on what they have issues with. It's our responsibility to connect what they care about to, ex to an example within the electoral system that is directly related for creating co the conditions that they care about. I'll never forget Ms. Hazel Dukes, uh, president of the state conference for the NAACP. She said once we had an event at Medgar Evers College, it was an emergency summit for black leaders for, for the census and for elections. And she said, somebody was like, we gotta register more people to vote. And she said something that was sacrilegious, but if Ms. Dukes said it, well then it must be okay. She said, we don't need to register nobody else. That's not how she said it, but that's how I heard it. Like, <laughs> like, we need to activate the people we already got registered. And we've seen in New York City, there was recently a battle about whether or not non-citizens should be able to vote. And there was a faction within the Black community that was like, they're going to dilute the Black vote. All these immigrants are coming in, they're going to dilute our vote. I'm like, boo-boo, you got like 23, 24% turnout in our community on a good year. Trust me. Other people voting ain't our biggest issue. Trust me when I no. tell you that's not no. the issue that you activate where you're at. But yeah. that takes work, Joy. Oh, yeah, it does. It does take work. And, you know, for those of you who are committed to doing it, at least you tweet you committed to doing it or you post on Facebook that you did to do it. There's some real work. Right. Like this is not just, you know, I, I think what you're asking people to do is to perform and to entertain you. That is different than actually organizing and doing things that change the material conditions of people's lives. I'm like, I'm not about performing activism for you. I'm not, you know, adding my name to your list and you didn't answer my tech, like my hustle texts and things or whatever, because, you know, you needed more people listed and to be a part and you didn't show up at the activity outside of somebody's house to stop the donors from coming in. Like that's all performative things. Now, don't get me wrong. Those things are tactics. It's part right. of a larger That's right. organizing effort. Show show me what that larger organizing effort. Wait, where your strategy, boo? How your tactics tied to your strategy? Do, do you have a strategy outside of this tactic? Or is it just like as what people are saying now, we need just disrupt shit. We just need to, you know, be radical. Like again, using buzzwords and phrases. So you know how easy it is to blow up a building, Joy, with just a few nicely placed sticks of dynamite. You know how much more difficult it is to build a building, let alone reconstruct one on land that you just blew up. Keep playing, y'all. I'm just, mm. I'm just, I'm just saying that. I need us to be smarter. And I'm very clear. And even those folks who are like, you know, follow the black women because the black women will save us. I'm not, I'm not trying to save you. Get off I'm, my back. Get off I'm, my back. 
and I'm, my porch. I'm not trying to say I'm trying to heal and save pe- the, my people. I'm not trying to save this raggedy ass democracy. I'm trying to heal and save people. Now, if in the efforts of me healing and saving people, human being, it results into a better democracy, a better country that lives up to its principle and all that kind of stuff, if that is the byproduct, so be it. But that's not my desire. My focus is on the people. And how each strategy and each opportunity I have in order to strengthen and to invest and empower people in order for us to build a healthy and you know wealthy future. If the byproduct is America results into a better country, so be it. If it ends up the whole thing and it all falls down, we ain't like her anyway. And we and we have to build something new. So be that too. Why is everybody so like attached? Like, oh, it's gonna be over. Like Britain used to be an empire. The sun never sat on set on the empire. Remember that? They're still there, handing all their money to the royals while people is hungry in the street and buildings is burning and people don't have places to live. But they ain't go nowhere. They just shifted how they did things and now they got a pretty wheel. Maybe we can have a wheel. I don't know, but maybe we need to do. I'm just saying, look, I'm on the ground, on the ground, like talking to regular people who basically tell me to go kick rocks and touch grass every time I talk about this type of stuff here. But just as Loretta said, just as Eljoy said, if you listen to what they're talking about and then you go, ah, this is the thing we would do in the voting world or whatever world to make this make sense for this person. When you join those two things, I'm let, watch my face. Let me show you what they, they're going to go. Huh? And you see this little light go off. And next thing you know, they're texting you. They're calling you going, yo, when we vote. Then they're saying, yo, who we voting for? Eljoy, how many deals do you get a day? Could you like buy 12 houses during election time? Yo, who we voting for? Who we voting for, sis? Right. What's good? Yo, Loree, can you tell me what? I'm, if you're that person that makes that connection for people, then you become that person. And then your next step is to empower that person to then be that person. That's the building. That's the basic building block. Y'all want to get on the internet though. We can do a little things because feeling and vibes. Well, let's feel and vibe all of the things. And these are the things. Well, I mean, I just want to I just want to wrap this up. One in saying, ladies, thank you so much for making the the conversation. (laughs) But for those of you who are listening, this is your homework. I know, you know, within the conversation you're like, okay, but still what do I do though? So here's what you do. Organize where you are. Right. So that is having conversation with your family members, your extended family members, your friends, your neighbors, and looking at the organized groups that exist within your sphere of influence and having conversation or even volunteering to have the conversations about what's going on and what people's feelings are about it and how you can get it together. That's number one. Number two, continuing that same organizing theme, Larie, you need to build up a vote squad. You need to have, like as June mentioned, the people who text me, some of your favorite influence on Twitter who like, you know, live in New York, but don't really do local politics, be like, oh, AOL joy. Like, who should I be voting on on these judges? Right? Like, so even <laughs> your favorite- I didn't even know they were judges. What's and, good? And, and writer will text me, will DM me on Twitter and be like, yo, who we, who we doing? Right. So that means that you should have, if you really about that life, you should have a crew of people who doing the same, right? That y'all all plan is just like, oh, we early voting or we 
or we voting on election day, what are we doing, right? Like you should have a squad of people that continues to build, right? Because we need to activate and engage people. So you need to have your own vote squad so that y'all can talk about your amongst yourselves on how you're going to activate and engage from there. And then you need to have the, the crew of people you know you need to work on. Those people that, again, they may not be ready for midterm election cycle. You gonna work. You you have taken it on yourself. I'm gonna work on this in my community, whether it be young people, whether it be older people who think everybody is crooks, and working on that. And I would say the last thing is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are plenty of organizations, activations, and institutions and stuff that already exist. You don't need to go off and create something new just because so it can have your name on it and you could be the one that's the executive director with the check. You probably ain't going to get no check. <laughs> and your check ain't going to be big enough even if you get one. You still going to need the Medicaid, boo. You, you, can find, uh, you can find institutions and organizations that already exist that do need the help, that do need the support already, and you you can invest in that. You know, that's what I would say are some immediate things you need to do. And then the last thing, don't don't send this midterm cycle out. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. And if you have family members in other states that still have primaries coming up because they do, I need you to I need you to take it upon yourself to call people and activate and engage your people in them immediately. Immediately. Because it is too important. Because we're not saying, and I, you know if you listen to the show, I say this all the time, you are not voting for your best friend. You are voting for representatives who best represent at this, at this time best represent where you want to forward. They are not your best friend. They do not have 100% of what you want done or things like that, that best represent and have the best chance in terms of the leadership that you need right now. That's who you're voting for. Biden may not line up with you 100%, but you know what? A Biden in 2024 is better than a Trump. <laughs> is He's not trying to kill us. That's got to matter. The congrat the Congress flipping and having the Senate flipping. What what do you think is gonna happen if we lose the Senate? What do you think is gonna happen? They're gonna try to keep killing us. Don't do it. Just don't do it. We need more than 50. We need more than half. We just need the other side. You already see what they're gonna do. Are you uncomfortable? Are your panties in a bunch? Let's unbunch them. And like Reese Colbert said, y'all really ain't got hands. Not for them what? Not for them white supremacist white folks that's really trying to go to blow the ones that got the AR-15s all up on the wall. Y'all don't want no hands with them. You better vote. Malcolm said the ballot or the bullet, not because he was advocating the ballot, but because he said if you use the bullet, no, not because he was advocating the bullet. Lord, sorry, Malcolm. But he was saying if you use the ballot effectively, we can avoid the bullet. You do not use the ballot. They gonna come with the stop bullet. Watching the, stop watching movies, kids. You're not gonna bounce. It's gonna hurt you. It's going to hurt. Stop watching movies and video games. Uh -huh, yeah, just like them. I said it. Well, ladies, thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. We love you. <laughs> I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> this was the best. I've been out there putting Eljoy's lessons to work, but real rough. So, yay. Thank you, Eljoy. Y'all do the same. That's All right, y'all. Love you. Bye. Love you. Thank you. Ciao for now. And thanks to all of you for making it to class this Sunday. We'll be back next Sunday with more of Sunday Civics, those civics lessons you need to take civic action. Have a great one. It's cool.